So we've got some uh, we've got some thoughts on the on the whiteboard <clears throat> that we can walk through maybe to help get some uh, some discussion. But before we go to the the whiteboard, though, any other questions before we kind of head through these? Anything anybody wants to bring up, points to make, or items of clarification? Well, let's just take the first one then. Should we give until it hurts? start. tend to indicate that uh, this person who we're speaking of hasn't grasped the first three biblical principles that we talked about. Right? Ownership, gratefulness, and uh, generosity. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah. to constantly be trying to exercise 
more faith. And I think that can help us stretch ourselves in, in how we give, um, you know, and whether that means it's hurting or not, I don't know. But, but just that idea of, you know, stretching, because you know, at the end of the day, we can't outgive God. Right? So, uh, so as we exercise faith in our giving, um, then it, it, it will come back to us either in finances when we need them or in things money can't buy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is even more valuable. Mm -hmm. I think uh, this walk has allowed me uh, over the years to, to just throw off the guilt of a percent of net or gross, you know, in mean, the argument there, um, that I'm giving. Gross blessing or net blessing? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but but that, that's gone uh, and replaced, you know, is the joy of, like, like tonight, being able to open your home, uh, to be able to, to open it and put it on a website that just blesses so many, to be able to study and show yourself approved unto God and have Him then use you to pour His Word in your life into men's lives. God, there's no greater blessing. It is so cool. And to know that you're giving and, and you desire to give and, and you desire to be generous. And you, know, and you got people coming up to you going, man, I just, I just got to help you somehow because I, you know, I, just, I feel bad that you're doing so much. And you're like, what? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Do something else with that. I'm okay here, you know, because you're, you're, you're blessed out of your socks. What an absolutely opposite feeling. From going to the brick building and hearing the, the hit at 11.15 every Sunday. <laughs> although, to be fair, although to be fair to the people that are putting the money in the, in the, in the offering plate, just like the widow's might. Mm -hmm. you know, even though it was going to a corrupt priesthood, her giving was an acceptable to God. And beyond acceptable, it was, it was a sign of her faith. Mm -hmm. So the people that actually, I know that when I had the guilt and participated, God was still blessing. Still blessing. That's right. Still blessing. Greg Olson has a great example of that with the, your old congregation, how they paid off the building. You should share that. Yeah, uh, Congregation Beth and Sia in Houston, where we attended the little boot. Um, the year before we moved, we, we as a congregation had just built a brand new synagogue, a beautiful synagogue. Had had a uh, a Israeli Jewish believer uh, who was an architect came from Israel, designed the the synagogue, <clears throat> just really pretty. Had Jerusalem stone shipped in from the land. Yes. Yeah, so um, the, the congregation, they had owned the land, they paid cash for the land several years prior, uh, and then they took a loan, I think it was in like six, uh, to, to build the building. And we moved in in August of uh, 2006, I believe it was, six, or no, 2007, August of 2007. And I was just talking to Rabbi Richard, the, the, the head rabbi there, uh, uh, a month ago, and he 
said, you know, Hashem, we just paid off the building. We just made the last hundred thousand, just paid off the last hundred thousand, hundred twenty-five thousand of principal. And the testimony is this, and this is a sign of a congregation that's being blessed too, because they don't take up offerings at Bethel Side. There's a pushka in the lobby that it's never mentioned, not from the pulpit, not from the bema. No, you know, the, the people who are there know it's out in the lobby, and you know, that's impossible. There's no sermon on giving before the offering, and all that kind of stuff, which was my experience in church. Um, and in the middle of a recession, they paid off four and a half years. It's, yeah, it's just a great testimony to God. So. That's cool. Awesome. Is, the, um, is the principle of uh, giving and then receiving a valid principle? If I give, I'm going to receive. No. The, the cause and effect, it should cause be the effect and the purpose clause are the problem. Yeah, uh, there may be a cause and effect, but that's not a purpose. Yeah, it yeah. shouldn't be the motivation. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It may very well be the outcome or the result. Sure, but that we shouldn't do it with that expectation. But we should, that's but exactly right. God's 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 but not as our motivation. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. In order to, to generate giving from an expectation of then receiving back. And then for some ministers, Mm-hmm. You give in order to give. No, you get in order to give. But then you, you do that in order to give. But then, yeah, you have to. <laughs> but you have to give. Yeah. He's <laughs> trying to confuse me. <laughs> All right, we can't give what we don't have. But why don't we have it? That could be one reason. Trust. An- another. Well, well, the question the, the we can't give what we don't have is a is a statement. Why don't we have it? Is the question. First, first answer is possibly laziness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. God hasn't provided it yet. Absolutely. That's <laughs> wrong. Wrong choices, wrong choices have, have put us in that. It may put us in that place of consequence. That's stupid. 
So, why can't you give? You can't give because you don't have. Why don't you have? Because you're stupid. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 I'm asking so that I can give away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course I can. That's right, because you were not a wise steward with your money, right? Good. Joshua? Is it a good reason to go into debt if you try to give? No, there's a good question. Should you go into debt in order to give? What do you think the answer is, Joshua? It's why you asked the question. <laughs> what do you think? Is it is it wise to go into debt in order to be able to give? Giving should be motivated by generosity. You can't be generous with what you don't have. Actually, and you should actually well. the government is doing a really good job. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's right. I think it's the line of our generation that because it's in the bank, you own it, and therefore you can give it away. Or you can use it for what you want. And because it's in the bank, it does not necessarily mean Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that is what our government is doing. Right? Is that oh, sure. Right? If you've mm-hmm. gotten a, a, a debt, if you've, if you've used debt in order to have something to give, you're, you're already living in a fantasy because you don't have it. Well, and to Rick's point, that's exactly what the government does. They, they haven't used your money. They've, well, they, they've used our money, but they've also used right. the money of... Foreign, yeah, of those who haven't been born yet, of foreign nations, uh, those who buy the debt of the U.S. government. The U.S. government is generating debt in order to be able to fund entitlement programs, giveaways. So, it is not sustainable. It is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Dependent on the 
Right, right, right. So God, God could have given us a system of the Torah where the poor were cared for by the by the uh, by the leadership, but instead He made it the responsibility of the people, mm-hmm. uh, and He and He made it a commandment of the Torah on the basis of our giving as if to Him mm-hmm. to provide for the poor and the Levites. So I mean, we we have a perfect model for it. I mean, not that I believe that churches ought to have tax-free status. But there is something to the notion that if I give to a charity, then, I, then I've, I'm fulfilling my responsibility as a citizen as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've abrogated our responsibility as believers and given over the care of the sick and the poor to them. We've allowed them. And industries, uh, that principle of generosity, most industries uh, give at the end of the year when they're going to get a huge tax benefit. Oh, no doubt about it. Whether it's a tax benefit or a public relations benefit or whatever the case may be. What's the answer, son? It depends on the answer to what question, son? The question I just asked. Well, the question that you asked being, should I go into debt in order to be able to give? I think the wise answer there is, is no. Because the debt creates a, uh, a, a borrower and servant, uh, or a, a servant and lender relationship that puts you in a position you shouldn't be in anyway. But it's always wise not to. Um, get a raise, get a new job, get a second job. Why would we need to do that? That was the counsel that I got from my father. He's a financial planner, and several years into my, my marriage, that would be my first marriage, which is the current marriage. That's right. <laughs> Took his advice. 
Because now you have another person you have to provide for, so you need a different job that'll pay you more money? Well, that's exactly what Mr. Squitzerini's father-in-law was advising him. So it, it, all, it all goes around recognizing that you need to change your circumstances. Coming to the recognition first, right? And then actioning on it. Yeah, probably not. 
it, it depends on how you exit your job as to whether or not you can get it back. <laughs> I'll tell you, I can I can tell you a personal story about about that one. Um, when uh, when uh, well, I'll share it for the benefit of the of the men and and for others who are listening. Um, when uh, when Susie and I were living in Tulsa, and it was in uh, 1986, I had the opportunity to uh, interview for a position with Barnett Banks in uh, in Florida. And uh, it was a, a really nice uh, job opportunity, and um, uh, I ended up uh, accepting the uh, accepting the position. And we were going to be moving to uh, to Port St. Lucie, uh, Florida, which at at the time was uh, was a lot smaller than than it is today. And um, uh, so they flew us down for a, a house hunting trip. And uh, you know, we got in on Friday night, and we had an appointment with a realtor on Saturday morning. And, uh, and she began uh, driving us around Port St. Lucie to various properties that, uh, you know, that would be uh, in the, uh, you know, our, our price range to rent. So I, I was going to be going from a, uh, you know, having a, a fairly you know, significant uh, income change from, with this new position, but not nearly enough of an income change to be able to afford the places that she was showing us. And um, uh, you know, we had to kind of stop and tell her that you know we need to be looking at something a, a little bit smaller uh, than this, with with uh, more in this kind of a price range. And she basically told us that that wasn't there wasn't going to be anything in that kind of a price range. If that's the price range you have, you'll be renting. So we uh, we went back to our, our uh, hotel room, and uh, uh, <laughs> Susie and I had a really um, you know, a heart-to-heart -heart talk with a lot of tears being shed and wondering if we had made the right decision or not. And um, that was a that was a Saturday night. I called my boss's boss in uh, Oklahoma City uh, and said, "Hey, Earl, we're uh, we're down here in Port St. Lucie, and things just haven't quite worked out with this job change." The way that uh, the way that I thought that it was going to, and um, uh, I know you haven't filled my position yet. I would I would just wonder if you would uh, entertain entertain the idea of filling my position with me. And uh, and he said uh, he said, Mr. Martin, I'll be in Tulsa on Monday morning specifically to welcome you back. <laughs> so yes, it all depends on how you exit how you perform in your job and how you leave that job as to whether or not you can ever go back to that job. Yeah, that's right. And And to earn the respect of your manager, yeah. Susie's position had already been filled, and uh, and she walked in Monday morning and and uh, uh, you know told him that, that we weren't going to be moving. And they, this was in the uh, the uh, she w worked in the energy field at the time, in the 
mid to late 1980s, and you guys know what the energy field was like at that time, they created a job for her to be able to retain her. Yeah, yeah. Really? Were you around then? <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was not a good time to be in the uh, in the oil industry. <laughs> the busts were going down further every time. Yeah, it was the energy industry was not. Mm -hmm. Giving to the point of foolishness. about I need help financially. Owning a plane is not that expensive. It's the opposite side of the. Get ready, you know, It's you've got to change your circumstances. You change the circumstances on the income side, or you change the circumstances on the expense and spending side. Or a combination. And, and or a combination there. The airplane is 
gives him more needs. He was being honest. I, I can't meet my needs. The problem is that he didn't understand is some of his some of his needs were being generated by something that he didn't have to have. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And mm-hmm. to your earlier point. Because he had the plane. He had a set of expenses that yeah. they come with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Owning a house is a good thing, but owning a house also has a financial it's, burden. Mm-hmm. Even if you can make the payments, you still gotta keep it up. Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. why rich dad will tell you that owning a house is not an asset, it's a liability. liability. Those of you who have not read Rich Dad Poor Dad, this is good. the author? Robert Kawasaki. The rich dad, poor dad, I, you know, he's got a lot of good concepts and ideas, and he's got some that I disagree with. Uh, but one one concept uh, that, that really kind of stuck with me uh, when I read through some of his material was you know, the idea of wealth how to measure wealth. And, uh, of course, you know, there's lots of ways you can measure wealth, uh, some of which are not, have, have any, nothing to do with, with money. finances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would, I would say the real measure of really wealth good. really doesn't have anything to do with finances. But in his, uh, in this particular statement that he made, he said, uh, instead of measuring wealth by net worth, which is the traditional way. He said, measure wealth by time. In other words, how how much income uh, are your assets generating where if if you, you know, and how far will that take you based on your current expenses? So is your wealth, do you have six months worth of wealth? Do you have one year worth of wealth? Do you have ten years worth of wealth? And if, you're, if your assets can generate residual income that covers your, your basic living expenses, then you have unlimited wealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that to me was a really good way to think about how you measure wealth. It's not just, it's not just the balance sheet and the net worth, but it's What's it doing for you? You, know, mm-hmm. you have to get to that point of residual income, though, because most people, it's you trade that time for dollars. That's what it is. You know, time is money. You know, you go to a job, you work for this much money per hour, you make this much money. It's it's the trick is what you said, and that is that two words, residual income. Yeah. It's generating something that will con- continue to generate income without the investment of time. Mm-hmm. That's that's the trick right there. Or not just a residual income, or maybe it's just reduced expenses. That's true, but still, you. I think it's a combination of both. His, his, uh, his definition and discernment between asset and expense to me was, was an eye-opening. I'm not like you. This is a foreign language. <laughs> <laughs> The idea of spending money to buy something, yeah, that gathers dust, doesn't create anything, you know, that kind of versus spending some money for an asset that will generate income, or uh, having an 
enough free available liquid asset to be able to take advantage of a sale or an opportunity when you see it. Uh, you know, all these things are you know, completely foreign to me. I'm going, this guy lives in a different planet. I don't get all this, you know, because it's, it's just so far. Other questions, thoughts, comments? Well, when you were talking about how one's wealth can be measured and you know, how a lot of it comes down to time and everything, to me, one of the, one of the cheesy you know, sayings that people you know, that circulate around, and one of my favorites happens to be that the best things in life aren't things. And, and that, that just really, really true. And that brings me full circle to contentment. It's, it's realizing that, you know, I've, I've enjoyed myself more in, in, in hanging out with friends on a, on a Sabbath and, and fellowshipping than, than any, you know, big house, fancy car, or anything could, could ever do for me. And, I, and I'm, you know, it's just the... It's not that those things are, are per se beyond me. It's just that those aren't what make me tick. Those aren't the things that bring me joy. And it, it's realizing that that's just you know, how my priorities and how the how my areas of uh, just desires and emphasis have changed. And I, I'm just I, I would have to say that ever since I've been in, in the Torah walk, uh, I've, I've felt a lot of that contentment. Mm -hmm. Even going on a, on a Sunday afternoon, like we did, down to, to, to go to uh, what was it? Uh, sporting, sporting place. place. Oh, yeah. that was amazing. It's one of the best times I've had in recent 20, memory. 20 bucks for all of us, right? You know, and, and, we, and we shoot. What a blast. That's one of the best times I've had in recent memory. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it didn't cost a lot of money. And, you know, here we are, and we're, we're just having a blast. Literally. Thanks, guys. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to to um, speak to you about this topic, and I really want to encourage you. The uh, the last thing that I kind of talked about on the outline of um, uh, you know seeking wise counsel is uh, is so important. Not just in this area, but but in in you know in any area, uh, taking advantage of others who have uh, spent time in, in the Word, who have life experiences to be able to share that may have seen exactly the movie that you're watching right at that point and can give you uh, real-life, personal, godly counsel uh, is, uh, is so incredibly important. So, uh, uh, you know, don't hesitate to pull somebody aside, ask the questions. And it, it may very well be that the guy you pick to, uh, to pull aside and ask the question has the same question that you have. And you can both go to somebody else. and. Uh, and, and uh, seek the answer. I'm not going to ask if there are. I'm just going to say that if there happens to be anyone who's an 
impulse buyer in the room, like I can sometimes tend to be, um, shoot me a text message, give me a call, okay, shoot me an email, say, hey, I'm about to buy this, and give me the chance to talk you out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Is your house paid for yet? You don't need to buy it. Is, you know, is there, did you pay your credit card off completely? You don't need to buy it. Just, you know. Finally, maybe we'll talk to you off the ledge. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm serious. It, it's, uh, I've had someone literally call me and they said it was one, one of the best things that ever happened to them. They were going to make a huge expenditure. They were going to buy a car that they really could not afford. And I, and I was just like, okay, you realize that this is the insurance payment on it. It's like the insurance was almost as expensive as the car. The car payment, you know, uh, over, over, for, for a 60-month payment. Okay, so the that, that's one clue right there that you don't need to buy the car. <laughs> um, the, the gas mileage was atrocious. <coughs> and so looking at the fuel costs, they uh, I ran some you know, quick and dirty calculations. They were going to be spending... Two and a quarter, uh, like two and a quarter to two and a third times what they were normally spending on gas to fuel the vehicle, uh, just because just you know based on fuel economy and lack thereof for the vehicle, and then I, I started you know doing projections on okay let's let's be realistic here let's look at sixty thousand miles later how much of those tires going to cost when you need a set of four of them. They're not going to cost what they cost on this car. And sure enough, they were three times how much they were on the car they were currently driving. And I just I just kept going down the list, and I was like, at one point, he just said, stop. <laughs> he said, stop. I was like, wow. And, and I thought I'd lost a friend. I really thought I'd lost a friend. And we didn't talk for a couple weeks. We really didn't. And then he just picked up the phone and called me one day. I still remember it very clearly. And he said, I said, hello, this is Johnny. And I was like, thank you. Huh? I, I, I didn't think I would ever hear your voice again. And, and, and first thing I hear out of your mind is thank you. Um, yeah, I remember this very, very clearly. And... Um, yeah, so it's it's a good idea. If you're getting impulse buying mo mode, please give me a call. Outstanding. I think this is a, is a final testimony. From, from, from one who has made many, many foolish financial decisions promises in his word that he will redeem the time. And uh, says something like going back to the cloud with the locust is evil and so forth. And, uh, yeah, it may not apply to everyone. It may not apply to anything other than we wrote about it, but right? it appears to apply at least to God. Where God has uh, chosen to be gracious and allow me to give a very small like I said, we normally don't talk about those three things. If you're struggling financially and it has 
<laughs> well, it's uh, it, it's always uh, a, a blessing to be able to, to see God's hand, a blessing at work in other people's lives, and know that the same thing can happen to you if you choose to be obedient. Um, how many years have you been in business with Kovatas? Appreciate that. If I could only replicate that in many other areas, we'd be doing a lot better.